Hi, and welcome to DCF's online service. My name is David Woodham. I'm a worship leader here at DCF. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. We're continuing to pray for Dave and Karen Hell, our leadership here at DCF, as they recover from the coronavirus. We're going to be streaming in worship this morning from Northlands out of Atlanta. Lucky to be in relationship with them. After that, we're going to be listening to a message from Valerie Weisiger, uh, elder here at DCF. She's going to be talking about fear and how to overcome it this morning, which is a great message uh, given the times we're in right now. So I'm going to pray and we're going to jump right into worship. Dear God, just thank you so much for your love and your grace that's extended to us every day. Uh, right now, we just want to offer this time and give it to you as we come together and worship you. And God, we just uh, want to love and honor you during this time. In your name I pray. Amen. I'm gonna sing to your dry bones Until you're covered in life And the valleys bloom like a rosebud in the light Yes Hear the call to attention Feel a change in the air For the ground is dry but the clouds are overhead Yeah, I'll sing it again
Good morning, DCF. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so glad to see you on here. Uh, I am excited to be able to share with you this morning just a small testimony of what the Lord has done in our family over the last couple of months, specifically in my life. Um, we are kicking off this series last week of love, and I loved Greg's message from last week, which was Anchor of Love. Uh, I feel like in times that we're living, when there's anxiety and uncertainty, uh, that love is a truth that we can cling on to because we know the love of our Father. And so um, he emphasized that we are to be anchored in eternal things, which is faith, hope, and love, and that the love of God is not changing, that we are the only things standing in the way of God's love, um, and that we are reminded nothing can separate us from the love of God. 2020 started off really difficult for Dave and I. We had a very close friend commit suicide um, in the first week of January. And just a few weeks after that, a friend of ours was killed in a car accident. So, you know, we said to each other, oh, great, 2020, this is a great start to a year. <laughs> and we had no idea all of the other things that would come in 2020. Um, we then hear in February that there's this virus looming around the world and it's making its way to the U.S. March, it gets to the U.S., schools start to close down. So then we're adjusting of, you know, what does it look like for a family of four kids in school um, to not be going to school? We have a senior at that time and we're excited about a senior year and celebrating him. Um, then I think about my job even. I'm thankful I got to work remotely but I work off the markets and if the market tanks, I don't get paid, I don't have a job. So all of these things, you know, everyone, every household is adjusting to these things. Uh, and then you think about 2020 as an election year, um, if it wasn't already going awry. So you hear about riots and hatred and uh, the media is displaying and portraying maybe one side or both sides or whatever it may be. So I think in the natural, fear and anxiety found their way inside of me and probably inside of many homes, uh, no matter what, where you were on your walk with the Lord. Um, you know, you don't know what information you can believe and what resource to listen to other than scripture, of course. You don't know if you are allowed to say certain things because it could offend people. You don't know when to speak up. Um, you also may feel pretty disconnected from family or friends, you know, physically because of isolation and quarantine and really because of differences of opinion. Um, but what all, with all of this going on, I did want to share with you that in spite of anxiety and fear coming, I experienced some overwhelming love of our father in some of the darkest moments uh, in the last couple months. So uh, Greg challenged us with three points. He may not call them challenges, but it challenged me. He said, we are to be reassured, rooted, and reliant on love. Um, and for me, I thought, oh, well, I'm, I'm reassured. I mean, I know the Lord loves me. I'm mostly rooted in that. I mean, I probably could grow in some areas. And then it came to reliant, and I thought, I'm not often reliant on the love of God. And I just think that's where the Lord wants us to be. Um, I would consider myself kind of a type A personality, uh, go-getter, uh, get the job done, get the task at hand accomplished, 
my husband would say feisty. The Christian world, he might say tenacious. I think he would still agree with feisty. Um, but at the same time, I love big and I'm empathetic and sympathetic. Uh, I am a pretty real person. If you talk to me, you'll know my opinion. And I stay really open about my life and my experiences and my trials. But the thing that I was not uh, very good at was being vulnerable. And I think not intentionally, people may assume that I'm a pretty vulnerable person. And, and I kind of thought I was a vulnerable person. I thought by being open and real, that made me vulnerable, but it doesn't. I feel like I can love others well, but I have a really hard time receiving love from other people. Um, I tend to withdraw and want to deal alone if I'm going through something and people want to love me just like I want to love them. Uh, I always struggled with fear, even from being a small child. For some reason, I actually have a very loving family. I grew up in a Christian home. There was no abuse. I mean, I had a, a wonderful childhood. So it is interesting that I tended to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders and take responsibility for things that weren't even mine or related to me. And in my adult life, I tend to still do the same thing and I'm working through that. Um, but fast forwarding to my adult life, you know, I lost my first child. She passed away and losing other people in my life or going through other major events in my life. I feel like those circumstances fueled this fire of fear that was inside of me that it may not have been present all the time, but it was this looming trailing thing that I always had to deal with in my life. Uh, when I was 29, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, and that came after several years of unusual symptoms and unanswered questions. I mean, I remember going into the doctor at one point and I said, I don't want to see you any more than you want to see me. My skin hurts to the touch. Something is wrong. You know, maybe you're depressed. No, pretty sure I'm not depressed. Uh, my skin hurts. So we were having to deal the back and forth and, and very unknown things. Um, and after a couple years of medication and making some physical changes like my diet, I started running. Um, I was able to come off all of my meds and they would have considered that remission and I just believe I was healed. And I had to, in that season, start digging in and, and I had to grasp the understanding that this was not my lot in life, that I surely was not built to be sick if I believe that Jesus died for sin and sickness. And so it was the, the uh, mentality change, a shift in thinking that I really had to um, believe when I'd heard it, but I just didn't know if I could believe it for myself. And this is a season that I really started believing it for myself. Um, after this, I had gone through a divorce and then I went through a remarriage to my sweet husband, Dave. And in 2017, I experienced a mini stroke that actually uh, caused a gamut of other symptoms to come along with it. So probably nine to 10 months later, bouncing between specialists and doctors, uh, we landed at the diagnosis of lupus. Through all of this, that familiar fear thing would continue to rise up and even dominate seasons of my life. I was afraid of dying. I was afraid of just any kind of loss, uh, losing time with my family, 
Uh, my children, you know, they needed a mom and I was worried about what would happen if I wasn't here. You name it, the fear was absolutely paralyzing. Um, even with the logic and knowledge that I had in scripture, my own experiences of the encounters of the love of God and hearing him for myself, I was still afraid. So I knew there had to be a disconnect and I wasn't getting something. I remember uh, the many Sundays that DCF would be praying for me in my health. And if you've been at DCF for a long time, I know you've probably stood with me in a lot of those times of the up and down uh, being diagnosed and had words for me and, and pictures for me that I've kept. Um, but the Lord gave me a picture one Sunday and it was me standing nose to nose and toe to toe with the enemy. And this was during a season that not only were they trying to uncover the symptoms that were obvious, but they had been finding some things in my labs that were pointing to an issue with my bone marrow. And I was waiting to go into oncology. And so it was fear on top of fear on top of fear. And the Lord just gave me this picture. And I remember being nose to nose and I would look, I'd open my eyes, but I'd look down or I'd close them. So for me, I felt like, yeah, I am face to face with the enemy and I'm going to destroy him this time. And I was closing my eyes. So I was still not fully um, conquering him, I guess. I was still letting him have power and authority because I, I wasn't uh, bold enough to really step up. And so in that picture, the Lord said clearly to me, open your eyes. And so I remember in the, the picture, I, I looked up and kept my nose to him and I just opened my eyes and looked right at him. And that I, I feel like is a, a lot of times many of us encounter fear and we think because we acknowledge it and we see it and maybe don't respond to it that we've dealt with it. And that's not the case. We, we should be responding and taking authority. We are so loved and safe and fear doesn't belong in us that we get to open our eyes and actually have the enemy run from us. Um, I knew how much I was loved. I even taught on the love of the Father for all of us, but I did recognize that there was a disconnect because I was still feeling afraid. And so this picture was huge for me that I could take authority and overcoming it uh, wasn't overnight. I did have to do things to change the mentality and the way I dealt with fear. No longer would I want it sitting in my kitchen with me and just not acknowledging it. I thought that was dealing with it because I didn't feel afraid at the moment. Um, but I did have to do some things and it was work and it's not works that allows me to overcome. It's that I had to change my mindset, reposition myself with truth in this area, no matter what it took. So the scripture talking about taking every thought captive was very uh, different for me because I had to practice it all the time. And then reminding myself who I was and that I was loved and a child of God. I felt like uh, that was a huge part of me really overcoming fear. And so I had, you know, basically at that moment in time, I'd come to a, a fork in the road and I was able to overcome and take this path of peace and victory until June 30th, 2020, when I was exposed to COVID-19. 
and I found myself at yet another fork in the road, feeling discouraged that haven't I been here before? Haven't I already dealt with this? Um, and just not knowing the journey the Lord was going to take me on. Um, I, it was pretty paralyzing to find out that a coworker um, tested positive for the coronavirus. This is still an unknown virus. And so the default is worst case scenario um, in times that are fearful for me. And so it was really taking that captive. And then uh, me and another colleague went and tested and we both tested negative. We waited a few days, we were not symptomatic. And then um, July 5th, I started not feeling well. I tested on July 3rd and on the 5th got sick, but on the 7th, the test came back finally as negative. Um, I was used to a couple times a year having a pretty bad lupus flare up. I know how to deal with it myself. If it's a mild flare, I take barbiprofen, take a hot shower and get into bed and go to sleep. And usually the next day things are calming down. If it was a bad flare up, I know I can call my doctor here, get a good steroid shot, come home, take four ibuprofen, a hot shower and go to bed. So ibuprofen, hot shower and bed are usually at the tail end of any treatment. Um, and I was not getting better. I had really bad body aches um, and muscle aches, which was unusual because usually lupus was joint. I was having a hard time walking and fear just continued to settle in. Uh, I go to my doctor the following Monday, steroid shot, nothing helps. The next day, not better. The third day, this is like July 8th, um, I end up uh, calling my doctor and he said, you need to go to UAB, go to your specialist with lupus, there could be underlying issues. So we have fear on top of fear on top of fear at this point. Dave drives me to UAB um, where I have labs drawn that come back unusual, but, but okay for lupus, um, even though it wasn't my normal abnormal. Um, I go home and we're into the next week and I'm still sick. And so other symptoms started. I remember being on a call with a client whose family all had COVID and he was explaining all the symptoms and I was starting to realize, I think I actually have coronavirus on top of a flare. So it's almost like my body was letting me know I was coming down with something. Um, I remember even telling my doctor, I feel like I'm not getting enough oxygen to my brain. Does that make sense? Not knowing that I was actually having a hard time breathing. <laughs> so lungs have, thankfully my lungs have never had major issues with those. So I, I was unfamiliar with what I was feeling. Um, so I was really seeking the Lord and very aware that I was beginning to believe a lie. Um, and even in that awareness, I was still paralyzed. So through those times, I was really crying out to God. I'm like, you've got to, you've got to hear me. Where are you? I mean, I need you right now. I need to encounter you right now and felt discouraged that I every day got sicker. I wasn't getting better. And one of the days I went up to Dave and said, I need you to pray with me like this moment, not tonight when we're all praying as a family, whatever. I need you right now to pray for me. I am overwhelmed. And he took my head and pulled my head to his chest and prayed for me. 
And I don't even remember what he was praying, but I just started to cry because the Lord said to me, this is where I want you. That very tender, intimate place, very vulnerable, which is difficult. Uh, he, you know, Dave was physically loving me, but it was the father through him. The father was holding me and said, be still. I want you to stay here. Um, I would probably describe myself if we were to see a father holding a toddler child and, you know, the dad is holding the son or the daughter and he's talking to a friend and the kids, you know, kind of wiggling around, um, but he's still holding him fine. I'm the kid that's bending all the way backwards to try to reach something or reaching around my dad or talking to him while he's talking and I'm trying to get to something else. And uh, the Lord just wants us to be Still, like I have to allow him to hold me. I needed to let my father keep my head on his chest and love me and settle down for a bit. I wanted to share four things with you today that really moved me downfield through this season and quite frankly, uh, moved me downfield in my, my walk with the Lord, really. Um, I really actually kind of fell into condemnation even at times feeling like shouldn't I be farther along than I am shouldn't why am I still dealing with this fear thing why is this just a revolving door um but the Lord really spoke into that for me and I feel like there have been things that I've been able to overcome and I'm so thankful number one is that the Lord said I was not built to carry fear the Lord carried that on the cross for me for Valerie. Jesus said, Valerie, do not fear. I'm going to take this from you so you can live freely in my love. And that is really powerful because I think with my tendency and my personality, I will take on things and I will carry things that don't belong on me. And the Lord is always reminding me, this is not for you. My husband is so great. He comes up to me and will push down on my shoulders if I'm stressed about something out of totally out of my control. And he'll release his hands and say, this does not belong here. And so the Lord said, you are not built to carry fear. I already took care of that for you. You know, I, we take communion and we relate and we feel and we know it's so powerful. But for me, it was always hard for me to say, you know, Jesus died for Valerie. Again, I know that. I say that. I hear it. I get it. But it was overwhelming in this season to know that Jesus died for Valerie, that he knew about Valerie that long ago, and he knew what I would struggle with. And he says, I want you to be free because I love you and I'm taking it for you. And this revelation was really big because I started to think about what would it look like if we stopped fearing and if we weren't afraid and we really knew how loved we were, I mean, anything. What if, what if not fearing meant that we opened new businesses and we traveled with our family more or we boldly prayed for strangers? I'm talking not just once in a blue moon, like all the time. What would it be like if we weren't afraid? First John 4.18 has become sort of a mantra in our home. <laughs> and it just says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We do not live under punishment if we are made new in Christ. We are not living in punishment if we're made new in Christ. 
It's time we change your mentality because guess what? We are not victims. We are more than conquerors. If we believe the word of God to be true, then we need to reposition ourselves with our father. We need to lay on his chest and sit still for just a little bit and let him love us. His love is a reminder that we are no longer slaves to fear. Dave would even look at me in these seasons, like throughout the whole month of July. And at one point, I'm surprised he didn't shake it out of me because I think if I, if roles were reversed, I may have done that to him. He just looked at me and said, you are being robbed. I am watching my wife be robbed. And he also asked me, what would your health look like if you stopped feeding it fear? We are the only ones um, that stop from receiving the full love of God that's available to us. For me, that meant asking the Lord for an encounter. Like I mentioned earlier, saying, Lord, I need you right now, come through. I need to recognize that my default behavior was that worst case scenario mentality, and then I had to make a decision to change. I had to sit still, accept love, take captive thoughts of fear and long-standing lies that I had believed for many years. I didn't feel any different when I was doing this through the month of July. No feeling of really peace came through, but I knew it was going to be different and I just kept declaring. There were times that I even remember calling Karen and saying, I don't even have the energy to pray for myself, like even speak it out loud. And um, one evening I just got up in the middle of the night and I mustered up the tiniest bit of energy that I had and I declared the love of the Father over Valerie. So I want you to take the burden of fear off of your shoulders because you were not meant to carry that. The second thing is that I learned I am worth my shepherd leaving the flock to come rescue. Corey Asbury wrote a song called Reckless Love that we all know. That is a powerful song about God's love. And I've even been in front of DCF and I've like challenged people on parts of that song and to really press in and encounter the Lord. And I think I've even had words for people and pictures because the song is so powerful. He says, you know, no shadow you won't light up or mountain you won't climb up, no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down coming after me. But I realized there was the disconnect for me in this song as well, that I hear about the love of God and share and mean it with all my heart, but I wasn't allowing myself to feel the love of God. And then Corey goes into the passage. If you see his live version, he reads a scripture and then goes into talk about how he wrote the song and what inspired him. <clears throat> and so he, he reads the story, Luke 15, three through six. And then Jesus told this parable, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he does, he joyfully puts it around his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Corey goes into his story and he says, when I say the reckless love of God, I'm not saying that God himself is reckless. He's not crazy. We are, however, saying that the way he loves in many regards is quite so. He is utterly unconcerned with the consequences of his actions with regard to his own safety, comfort, and well-being. 
His love isn't crafty or slick. It's not cunning or shrewd. In fact, all things considered, it's quite childlike and might not even suggest sometimes downright ridiculous. His love bankrupt heaven for you and for me. His love doesn't consider himself first. It isn't selfish or self-serving. He doesn't wonder what he'll gain or lose by putting himself on the line. He simply puts himself out there on the off chance that you and I might look back and give him that love in return. He loves, he leaves the 99 to find the one every time. To many practical adults, that's a foolish concept. But what if he loses 99 to find the one, right? What if finding that one lost sheep is and will always be supremely important? He continues on, but for me, this is where I had a meltdown. In the middle of my sickness, in my pain, my frustration, even condemnation that I was just not even dealing with. I was allowing it to sit on me. The revelation of what if finding one lost sheep is and always will be supremely important. Was I really that important? You know, I think about others having worse problems than me that are, are really dying or, you know, are in poverty or, or these other circumstances that are always put before because um, I have a good life. I have a really good life. So shouldn't those people be put before me? Um, usually I would consider myself in the group of the 99. Even if I'm lagging behind the herd a little bit, <laughs> I would still say, Lord, there's one over there. We'll wait here. You go there. We'll, we'll be good. We'll get, we're good. And so, or there have also been times that I've maybe been the one and the Lord's on his way. But because of the issue with vulnerability, I point somewhere else to go somewhere else because I'll be up with everyone shortly. I've got this. At that moment, I had to make a choice and believe that I was so valuable to Jesus and his love was so big for me that I had to sit on the ground through my pain and fear this last month. I physically had to. I couldn't even function for myself, but I had to allow his love to come pick me up. I had to be still, I had to let him put me on his shoulders and then carry me back to the flock. No more resisting, no more fighting. And even in the midst of my sickness, I could only rely that his love would get me back to the 99. I had to be willing to let him carry me. So let the Lord come after you and don't resist. Number three, it is not my job to prove that God is good and that he is love. Again, kind of defaulting to my personality, it's very easy um, for me to take on a responsibility that doesn't belong. This one absolutely does not belong to Valerie Weisiger. <laughs> you know, I, I guess for me, it's always been knowing the call that God has on my life knowing after even this season revival is coming and we are going to be a part of that and then i think about i've lost a child i've been part of a failed church plant i've gotten divorced and now i have this diagnosis of lupus who is going to listen to me during revival and again i know i know that that doesn't matter but i i do it out of a, a true love for jesus and people i want people to know him and how good he is but I was carrying a responsibility that did not belong on my shoulders. Now, I think, you know, we know all the characteristics of the Lord. We, we know them, I mean, holy and just and true and kind. And I think the characteristics and nature of God are enough for the Lord to prove himself. 
Um, we don't have to do anything extra to show people that he is good. Your job and my job is to align with him because he can handle the rest. The last point I wanted to share with you today is that the Lord said that I am shaped by the words of him. His promise and his words have not changed for my life. For my life, his promises and words have not changed for yours either. The beginning of this year, we had a celebration service at DCF, which was wonderful. And there was a, a word over the church that people would begin to pull out words that the Lord had spoken over them, whether it's tearing out of notebook pages or finding old journals and blowing the dust off of them, that people would start to gather the words and remember what the Lord said. And just like Greg even mentioned last week in his message, recount the stories and encounters with the Lord, share them with people because it brings hope. And so 2020 was not a surprise with the Lord. We all know that. Uh, we say that all the time. This didn't surprise the Lord. Nope, God's not surprised by this. But you guys, it really was not a surprise. In fact, I started thinking, what if we saw the words over our lives with the understanding that he actually knew this was on the way? What if the words that were spoken two years ago were for this very season and for this time. Me thinking it was only for a six month period. Oh, I must've missed the window for that word. The Lord prepared early on to be ready for such a time as this. These are some of the things that shape us. Scripture will shape us by what God has said about us and who we are. First Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. First John 3, 1, see what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called the children of God. Genesis 127, God created man in his own image. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all of my needs. Romans 8.37, in all things we are more than conquerors. We either believe this or we don't. It's bottom line. We can't have one foot in and one foot out. We will not overcome uh, if we are straddling the line, I have got to believe, I've got to believe that the Lord loves me, that he did it for Valerie, and that I am his child, that his love is abundant, and it's for me. And even if you don't feel it uh, in the moment and in the hard times you're going through, you need to continue to declare it over and over again. In difficult times, it's easy for us to just want to deal and get through the situation. Trust me, I'm a pro at that. But we must press in and allow the loving Father to come and offer his hand for us. Um, because there is peace and rest when we lay on the chest of our dad. So don't seclude yourself in times like this. You know, engage in your community and let them love you. Don't discount the season that you're in and think other people have it worse. Woe is me. You take authority over that and you press in. And I just want to close with this. At times last month, I really asked the Lord, are you good? And it was almost embarrassing to even put this in a message because I feel like I should have been farther along. But I got a picture from the Lord when I was really struggling with questioning if he was good. If he was still there, why isn't he showing up? And he's, he basically just said, I, I'm using this time to take the towel and wring out any last bit of doubt. Because to me, that's the goodness of the Lord, that he is willing 
to still love me and let me work through my stuff and be gentle and kind as I process through it. And he's wringing the rest of it out. And I just want that for everybody that's listening. And if you're going through something or if you're struggling in an area and you feel like, I thought I overcame this and you are feeling defeated, the Lord is wringing out all the excess, not to condemn you or to make you feel bad, but to elevate you to a different level and to move you downfield even more. The rest of Corey's story in his writing, um, when he was writing the song Reckless Love, he, I wanted to read a couple more parts of that. It said, his love isn't cautious. It's a love that sent his own son to die a gruesome death on a cross. There is no plan B with the love of God. He gives his heart so completely, so preposterously, that if we refuse, we would think it irreparably broke him. Yet he gives himself away again and again and again, time and time again. And so just with that, knowing that it's okay if I, if, if I was in that place of questioning, I wasn't, it wasn't blasphemy and I serve God and I love him, but he wanted to get me to a different place and a different trust level with him that on the other side of it will really propel me, I, I hope and believe into a different season. Um, and so I wanted to end with this. What is it about the love of God that you need to start believing for yourself? What would it look like if you weren't afraid anymore? And how would life and circumstances change for us if we just let him love us, truly love us, let him walk toward us, scoop us up off the ground and put, him, put us around his neck and let him carry us back to the 99. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for who you are and we thank you for your character and your goodness. And Lord, today we declare the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that can help us overcome anything that we're dealing with, Lord. We thank you for your love for your goodness and mercy. We thank you that you prepare us for season after season. And even in the midst of it, when we're crying out for you, you are near. You have not abandoned us and you are good. And we continue to declare that in every season of life, Lord. We love you, Jesus, and we celebrate you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Val, for that word on fear. So good. Uh, thank you all for joining us this morning at DCF's online service. Uh, if you have any need or prayer, you can contact us at dothancf.com or you can reach out to us on our Facebook page. Uh, thank you so much for those of you that have been giving during this time. If you want to give this morning, you can do that through uh, the dothancf.com or you can set up auto pay with your bank. And if you want to mail us a check, you can still do that. Uh, we've been so blessed for those of you that have been giving uh, during this time. We've been able to use that money to bless others. So again, thank you so much for joining us this morning, and we look forward to seeing you next week, same time, same place.